From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is Battleground Ballot Box. I'm Stephen Fowler. We're heading into the final stretch of the 2022 legislative session, and now that crossover day is behind us, some bills are moving forward while others are dead, at least for now. Have all members voted? Have all members voted? If so, the clerk will lock the machines. From this point until lawmakers finish up on April 4th, the legislature will only consider bills that have passed or crossed over one of the chambers. But there are ways around that rule, so no measure is truly dead until the final gavel rings out. From voting changes to horse racing, cityhood movements to a suspension of the gas tax, there's a lot of legislation that's made headlines during this General Assembly. On this week's episode, GPB's public policy reporter Riley Bunch and I will break down some of the most significant bills to grace the floor here and look at what's left in the final weeks. DBHDD is reminding Georgians to ask their doctor about alternatives to opioid pain medication. Alternatives such as over-the-counter medications and physical therapy can be used to manage pain. More information at opioidresponse.info. Lawmakers only have one job that's required during the 40 working day legislative session here at the Capitol, and that's to pass a budget. It funds everything from state education to roads and bridges to health care and accounts for billions and billions in taxpayer dollars. Here's Governor Kemp speaking at a State of the State address in January and outlining some of his plans. As my office released last week, I'm also proud to say that my budget proposal will include a $5,000 raise for state law enforcement and other state employees. These brave men and women have been on the front lines of a truly unprecedented time in our state's history, from civil unrest to a global pandemic, and we could not be more appreciative of all that they do to keep our families and our communities safe. The state's coffers are flush with cash due to a still-growing economy and federal coronavirus relief money. And a sizable chunk of that money is money flowing to state employees and taxpayers. In addition to the $5,000 cost of living increase for state workers, the budget also includes another $2,000 raise for teachers, rounding out to a total of $5,000 since Kemp took office in 2019. Georgia taxpayers will see an additional $1.5 billion in tax refunds, about $250 for single filers, and $500 for those filing jointly. The House budget also adds more money toward an overhaul of Georgia's mental health care delivery system, sponsored by Speaker David Ralston. Kemp will sign the amended fiscal year budget with these changes hours after crossover day is finished, and the full state budget that begins July 1st is now over in the Senate's hands. Now on this podcast, we talk a lot about voting. And there's a voting omnibus bill with about 39 pages of changes that passed out of the House on crossover day late in the evening. The Secretary of State's Office General Counsel Ryan Germany says these tweaks are needed to clean up language in Senate Bill 202 after it was implemented in the 2021 election cycle. The bill's sponsor and the Secretary of State's Office General Counsel explains that some tweaks are needed to clean up language in Senate Bill 202 after it was implemented in the 2021 elections. There was some confusion on the first uh, after legislature asked the state election board to perform a performance review of Fulton County. The the law says the members of that performance review team are an individual appointed by the Secretary of State from the Elections Division and then two local election officials. 
Many voting rights groups say the bill is unnecessary in the wake of the massive 98-page bill, SB202, that passed last year that they also object to. The General Assembly finds and declares that, number one, following the 2018 and 2020 elections, there was a significant lack of confidence in Georgia's election systems, with many electors concerned about allegations of rampant voter suppression and many electors concerned about allegations of rampant voter fraud. The most important takeaway from this new bill? It would add a mechanism for the Georgia Bureau of Investigation to investigate election law violations. It would add more chain of custody paperwork for most of the parts of the voting process and would further restrict outside funding of local elections offices. Stay tuned for more on that. And there's still another bill that unexpectedly pop up restricting how cities address homelessness. The proposal in the state Senate would ban local governments from using federal dollars to build permanent housing for those who have no place to live, and financially penalizes cities that have a higher than average homeless population, also making it a misdemeanor to take shelter on state property. Riley, what's this all about? The Reducing Street Homelessness Act is brought by people who would say it would reduce the number of homeless individuals in Georgia, particularly in metropolitan cities, by pressuring local governments to take more action. Senator Cardin Summers of Cordial said this about why he brought the bill. I don't know if any of you ride up down the road uh, in Atlanta that, that don't live up here during session, but when you ride up down the road in Atlanta, uh, anywhere within a two-mile radius of this capital, homelessness is out of control. It's, it's, it's literally out of control. Uh, I've made a point to ride around before I get the detail in this bill. I've made a point to ride around almost every night and, and take 30 minutes and just drive a different route and count the homeless people on the street, li living in the corners, living in the edges, living on the sidewalks, living under bridges. If you were to run off, if you were to take your off the road and run off the road, you'd wipe out eight to 10 people. Now, critics say it punishes nonprofits for their work and criminalizes an extremely vulnerable population. Opponents also say it's another bill in a series of attacks on Atlanta by lawmakers who don't represent the area. So what's the status of this bill after crossover day? Well, it did not make it to the floor for a vote, and another reporter said Summers plans to hit pause on the bill and will pursue a study committee instead. Okay, Riley, while I've got you here, let's talk about another big bill that passed out of the House a little bit before crossover day, the so-called constitutional carry or permitless gun carry law. It's been a big priority of Governor Brian Kemp, who is facing primary challengers for re-election, we should note. Here's Kemp from earlier this year at the world's largest gun store in Cobb County. And while this position is greatly, has recently become popular for others as we enter the campaign season, my position has remained the same. I believe the United States Constitution grants the citizens of our state the right to carry a firearm without state government approval. For law-abiding Georgians, their carry permit is the founding document of our nation. And I look forward to working with the members of the House and the Senate, many who are here today, and groups like the NRA and GA2A on legislation, some of which has already been filed to get constitutional carry across the finish line this legislative session. So what's in these new proposals? 
These permitless carry bills would let Georgians carry a concealed handgun in public without first getting a license from the state. Under current law, Georgians who want to carry a concealed gun must pay a $75 fee and undergo a background check. Kemp recently said 2022 would be a, quote, historic session for gun rights. About 280,000 permit applications were accepted last year and around 5,000 denied, mainly due to criminal history. But critics like Courtney Spriggs, a former police officer turned gun control advocate, says that thousands of people may have slipped through the cracks without the law in place, and it puts law enforcement at risk. They are dealing every day with people who they don't know if they're armed or not. They don't know if they've had any training because Georgia's gun laws are already so lax. There's a bill that passed the Senate a few weeks ago, and the House passed similar legislation last Friday. So there will be a conference committee, most likely, for everyone to get on the same page before sending it to Governor Kemp's desk. It's an election year, and most lawmakers are running for re-election or higher office. There's also big statewide races like governor, attorney general, and state school superintendent. So education-related bills have dominated the session so far. Riley, you reported a great story about teachers who feel under attack by these proposed bills. What sort of legislation have Republican lawmakers introduced? GOP lawmakers have introduced an array of bills this session that target teaching about race in K-12 classrooms, although critical race theory isn't actually taught in any Georgia schools. During his State of the State address this year, Governor Kemp pledged that it would be a priority. That's why I'm looking forward to working with the members of the General Assembly this legislative session to protect our students from divisive ideologies like critical race theory that pits kids against each other. I also look forward to working with the House and the Senate to pass and sign a parental bill of rights in our education system and other pieces of legislation that I strongly support to ensure fairness in school sports and address obscene materials online and in our school libraries. I believe... Since then, GOP lawmakers, many with ties to the governor, have launched efforts to pass laws that limit many conversations around race and others that give parents more say over what their kids are taught in school. Still, committee hearings have been riddled with hours of testimony on how teachers feel mistrusted and scared to teach a curriculum that has been part of their past lesson plans for years. Here's Jameson Brewer, assistant professor of social foundations of education at the University of North Georgia. It's really just anti-education. It's anti-critical thinking. It's anti-student. The conversation surrounding what about race should be taught in K-12 classrooms and how has been brewing for months. In June of last year, the Georgia School Board passed a resolution targeting race in classrooms that states that the board, quote, believes the United States of America is not a racist country and that the state of Georgia is not a racist state. Local school board meetings across Georgia have also been filled with angry parents who have alleged that discussing the topic of race in schools actually introduces racism and puts white students in an uncomfortable position. Here's State Senator Bo Hatchett, a Cornelia Republican and one of the governor's floor leaders. He sponsored Senate Bill 377, which seeks to curb, quote, divisive concepts in the classroom and argues the bill doesn't keep teachers from teaching history about slavery, oppression or segregation. This bill would not inhibit the teaching of history. We pledge to give parents a voice in classroom subject matter that strays outside the bounds of simply teaching historical facts. In order to make the intent of this le legislation abundantly clear, we specifically defined nine divisive 
concepts we believe should never be used in our children's classrooms. But the subjective nature of the language in the bills making their way through the General Assembly leaves a lot of room for interpretation. There's also a proposal that would allow parents to request months of lesson plans and launch complaints against the curriculum that their child's teacher has planned for the class. And still another gives parents a pathway to protest, quote, obscene books and other materials they believe aren't appropriate for teaching. These are just a few of the bills that have passed from one chamber or the other so far, and there were other interesting discussions on Crossover Day. You can see more about that on our website, gpb.org. But the legislative session is not yet over, so keep an eye out in these final days to see what bills actually cross the finish line before lawmakers toss their papers in the air, before Monday, April 4th comes to a close, shouting, signy die. Battleground Ballot Box from Georgia Public Broadcasting is produced by me, Stephen Fowler. Our editor is Josephine Bennett. Our engineers are Jake Cook and Jesse Neiswanger, who also wrote our theme music. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR.